invite you to rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go unto Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. The Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying they had heard concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherd's words. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the angels returned, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. And on the eighth day, when he was circumcised, they called him Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word, this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit upon us now so that we may hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest this, your holy word. That we would be changed more and more to be like the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. I invite you to be seated. As Christians, too often we forget our name. As Christians, too often we forget our name and the world suffers for it. See, January 1st is not just the date that we turn over a new calendar year and oh, how we need a new calendar year. But January the 1st within the liturgical calendar is also the naming of Jesus. It's the festival that celebrates the moment at his eighth day circumcision that he was given the name Jesus, the name given by the angels. This one verse, Luke chapter 2, verse 21, one verse contains so much about Jesus' name. In this one verse, the naming of Jesus we see that his naming declares whose he is, what he is, and why he is. In his naming, that one verse declares whose he is, what he is, and why he is. But here's the amazing thing. The same verse declares also the same about us. Because we, Christians, have been given the name Christ placed on us. His name has been placed on us so that we can bear his name in the world. So like his naming verse, we too find in our naming as Christians whose we are, what we are and why we are. See, it was in Acts chapter 11 where we read that in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And that word Christian literally means little Christs. 
that by Acts chapter 11, this early church was so identified with the Savior Jesus they were proclaiming, they, the culture around them saw consistency in the way these disciples lived with the one whom they were proclaiming. And they said, so the Christ you're proclaiming, you are effectively little Christs. They could see it. Unfortunately, too often as Christians, it seems we forget our name. We forget that we're little Christs. And we take on a whole other host of other names. We don't live according to our name. It's like the story of the great warrior emperor, Alexander the Great, standing before a line of army deserters, one of the greatest offenses and crimes of Alexander's world. They ran away from battle. And as he stood before these deserters, he noticed that one of the deserters had a bit of a wry smile on his face. And he looked at him and said, why are you smiling? And the deserter said, well, because my name's Alexander. And the great warrior emperor looked at the man and said, change your conduct. Change your conduct. Change your conduct or change your name. And so it is with the church of Jesus Christ. When we forget our name, instead of bearing his name in the world, we bear other names. And so the world suffers. But as we look at this naming verse, Luke chapter 2, verse 21, on the cusp of a new year, it gives us opportunity to remember our name, to remember that we've been given the name of Christ. We are little Christs. And just as we see in Jesus' naming story, whose he is and what he is and why he is, so we see in this naming story whose we are and what we are and why we are. See, first, Jesus' name declares whose he is. And your name, O Christian, declares whose you are as well. Verse 21, we read that this name was the name given by the angel. We've said before that it's noticeable that Mary and Joseph don't get to name the child. The child comes with a name already given. And part of the reason is within the biblical world, naming is so important because naming gives authority. The act of naming someone or something is an act of authority, having authority over something. This is why Adam in Genesis chapter two names the animals. He has authority over them. This is why in 2 Kings chapter 23, Pharaoh Necho conquers King Eliakim and renames him Jehoiakim. And you'll sit down and go, why did he bother renaming him? He renamed him because he conquered him and the new name said, I have authority over you. The naming act says, I have authority. And of course, Mary and Joseph can't name this child because ultimately they don't have ultimate authority over him. 
Jesus' name comes from his father. And so Jesus, through his entire life and ministry, knows whose he is. He finds his whole identity in whose he is. John chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus knows whose he is, and he lives his life on earth accordingly. But whose are you? And whose am I? The world will tell you and I to name ourselves. It's an age-old story. Make a name for yourself. It goes right back to Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. As they're building this tower, the reason they're doing it, verse 4, says so they can make a name for themselves. And in doing so, what humanity is saying in that early story is we want to throw off the shackles of God's authority. We want to do it our own way. We want to establish our own name And the world tells us again and again in this life that we should, in fact, do that. Name yourself. Make a name for yourself. Make a mark in this world. And so we find names for ourselves. We name ourselves according to our work or profession or vocation. We give names to ourselves according to our relationships and through our associations. But remember, biblically, that whatever names you owns you, When people look on your social media as we come into a new year, what name will they know you by? Will they know you by the name of Christ? Is that the name you're primarily bearing, clearly bearing in your life? Or will they know you by your political affiliation or your familial association or your vocational association? We are trying to name ourselves It is the human condition, and it is sin, it is fallenness, it is rebellion for Christians because in baptism, he gave you a name. Baptism is where you as a Christian are given the name of Christ. That's why we call it a christening. You are christened. You have the name of Christ placed on you in baptism. You now bear his name in the world. In that moment of baptism, in that naming, that christening, you and I are told whose we are. As Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 says, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's our, that's the authority in our life. That's the one who has authority in our life. The one who names us Christians. I remember when my mother-in-law was a new believer. She was at Costco one day and the girl, the teller, gave back way too much change to her. It was one of those moments where she thought she gave her a 20 She did give her a 20, but the girl thought she gave her, I don't know, maybe five 20s or something. Gave like way too much money back. And my mother-in-law said to the girl, hey, you know, you gave me way too much change. And the woman said, no, 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 I didn't. She said, 
really, I'd, I'd check the register if I were you because you gave me way too much change. Oh, no, no, I didn't. Check again. And she finally checked it and said, oh my goodness, I could have really gotten in trouble for that. And then she said to my mother-in-law, a new Christian, she said, you know, you could have gotten away with it. Why did you tell me? And my mother-in-law said, well, pointing upwards, she said, my boss was watching me. And the woman says, you work for Costco. (laughs) Who has the authority in your life? Who's the boss? Who's in charge? The one who gave you your name in baptism. Christian. As 1 Corinthians 16 says, you are not your own. You were bought for a price. Jesus' name, though, not only declares whose he is, and so our name, Christian, declares whose we are, but Jesus' name also declares what he is. And in the same way, our name, given to us at baptism, tells us what we are. Verse 21 says he was called Jesus. And the name means God saves. It has his vocation written right in the name. His vocation is to save. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. His whole life, his whole vocation was contained within his name. And he lived according to his named vocation. He spent his whole ministry saving us all the way through his ministry, all the way up to the point that he's hanging on the cross, bearing our sins, as he's bearing our death, as he's rising from the grave, as he's ascending into heaven and sending us the Holy Spirit. And yes, even as he comes again in glory in every one of these moments, he's living into his vocational name, Jesus. He's saving us. But the name put on us at baptism is also vocational. Christian, little Christ. It tells us, not just who, whose we are, but what we are. We are little Christ. That's the way we're called to live our lives. When Jesus says to a human being, follow me, he's saying, come and live my life. Come and live my life. Come and learn to live my life in such a way that you can bear my life, my name in the world, little Christ. As C.S. Lewis famously wrote, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men and women into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, all the clergy, all the missions, all the sermons are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. We are little Christ. That's the name that's been placed on us. And it's going to look different in each of us. We're all going to live out what it means to be a little Christ, to live Christ's own life in different ways in our lives, within our social networks, within our own particular abilities and skills and opportunities and circumstances that come before us in every one of those moments, in the big ways and so often, isn't it true, in the little ways. We live as little Christs. It's the life we were made for. In the words of Psalm 139, 14, 
I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you and I to be little Christ's. Sure, there was a whole lot of sin and brokenness mixed in there because of the fall, and he's covering that with his salvation. And as he redeems us, what begins to emerge out of that brokenness is this intended purpose that he made you. He gave you skills. He gave you abilities to live out his life uniquely in this world. It's an amazing thing to see a person live into their intended vocation, to live into their God-intended createdness. It's amazing when you see a person that's just wired and built the right way. A couple years ago, we lost our dwarf hamster in the upstairs level of our house. So the problem was with the dwarf hamster, the cage had been left open. Dwarf hamster is about that big and there's multiple rooms and there's just, there was no way. I mean, Monica and the girls were looking and there was no way they were gonna find our dwarf hamster until Monica remembered that we have a mini schnauzer and they're bred for hunting rats. Now, don't worry, we didn't hunt and kill the dwarf hamster, but Monica brought the mini schnauzer into the situation and instantly the mini schnauzer, Levi, was on the trail. And within moments, he had the dwarf hamster cornered. They never would have found him because he was living into his God-intended purposes. He was bred for this. He was made for this. And so it is for you and I when we live into this God-ordained purpose that he's given us. It is a wonder to behold a person living in to this call, this name, this Christ, this Christ-likeness, this little Christness that we have been baptized and made for. It's interesting, Revelation chapter 14, picture of the redeemed gathered before God. Do you know what it says? It says they have his name written on their foreheads. His name is on our foreheads because that's the name we bear in this world. That's what we're made for and redeemed for. See, Jesus' name declares whose he is and what he is. And our name given us a baptism, Christian, does the same. It declares whose we are and what we are. It's what we are. But thanks be to God, Jesus' name also declares why he is, and therefore, our name at baptism also declares why we are. And I say this is important because at this point, you may begin feeling the burden of this because you've just been told the name placed on you tells you that you're to live your life under the authority of the one who named you, under God, and you're called to live your life as a little Christ. And if you're honest with your self-assessment, you're going to feel like there's many times that I'm not living under the authority of God, and there's many times when my life does not look like a little Christ. And we begin worrying, maybe it didn't take for me. Maybe the naming ceremony didn't work. We need to remember why we have this name. For Jesus, we're told in verse 21, before he was conceived in the womb, the name was given. Before Jesus was born, the parents were told 
This is his name. Why? Because he eternally has had this name. As Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 says, he was the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. It's always been so. He's always had this name placed on him. Jesus, God saves. And so it is for you and I. Those of us who are baptized, who have that name Christ placed on us, that name was on us before we were conceived in the womb as well. Before the world was born, God had your face on his refrigerator and he knew he was going to put you, his name, the son, his son's name, Christ's name on you. I love how Jeremiah chapter one in his call, God says to him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet for the nations. That's the why. Why did this happen? Because God chose you in love. You didn't earn it. And therefore you can't lose it either. You can, let's be clear, walk around with Christ's name on you and be a really bad version of it for a season in your life. You can be a very bad Christian but you can't lose the name given you. Why? Because he chose it for you. You had nothing to do with it. In love, in grace, he chose you to put the name of his son on you. We're going to come back in our lives again and again to that why question. It happens every time we're faced with something that's too big for us something that's too scary, we go into a season of temptation, we start asking, Lord, why me? Why me? And we ask that question, and it's a very human question to ask because we think, okay, if you can give me enough data points, like show me I'm good enough, show me I'm worthy enough, show me I'm skilled enough, if you give me all those data points, then I'll feel that I can do it. Okay, good. That's not the answer he's going to give you. When you ask him why he chose you, he will never give you a list that says, here's why you earned this and why you're in a good place. He will simply say, why? Because I chose you. Because of my divine will, you are what you are. You are who you are because I chose you. And that's the only answer we're ever going to get. If you place, if you base your assurance on any other answer, it's not God's answer. Whenever we get to that place and we say to ourselves, oh, now I've got enough reasons why I can be assured that I'm, gonna, I'm not going to fail. If they're all man-made reasons, that's not God speaking. When we come to that place of asking, Lord, how can I possibly be called to do this? The only answer he gives is because I chose you. Every year I go to a monastery in England. This year I won't be. Unfortunately, in January, every year I go, the UK is locked down. But I remember the year that I went to the monastery, just a place where I, I've just had a very special ability to hear from God in key moments of my life. That's why I keep going back there year after year. But I remember the, the, the January I went to Murfield Monastery in England when I had just been inducted here as rector. I had just been inducted. I was 38 years of age. I was in this new appointment. This, 
this, this church, this flagship within North America, all this responsibility, the wonder of it all. And my entire time at Murphy, all I kept asking God is, why me? Like, just, just give me, give me, like, show me. And what I was really saying is, give me, give me some, like, data points. You, you're so brilliant at this, or you're so brilliant at that. And, like, I'm, I was asking for data points. I never got a single data point. Every time I asked, all I got back in return was because I chose you. Father, why? Because I chose you. And in that lies your assurance. As 1 Corinthians 15 says, Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. As Christians too often we forget our name and the world around us suffers for it. The world will tell you and me to name ourselves. But you and I have a name already given to us. It's given to us in baptism, Christian. And this naming tells you whose you are and what you are. And thanks be to God, why you are. I close with this, that one of my favorite movies is Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> it's a great story of Kermit the Frog and his little play, group of actors who all go to New York to make it on Broadway. You can tell why I like the story. And while he's there, he hits his head. And this kind, jolly little frog forgets his name. He suffers amnesia. He can't remember his name. He can't remember who he is. And he ends up getting found by another group of frog, a bunch of hardened ad executives. And as he hangs around with them for a while, he becomes just like them. He becomes this hardened ad executive until his friends find him. And he's rude and he's awful and he's nothing like what he was until Miss Piggy karate chops him across the room and he hits his head again and he remembers his name and he remembers who he is and he returns to the kind, jolly frog that he is. And I say this, friends, because every Sunday, by word and sacrament, it's like a karate chop across the room for me that knocks me back to my senses. And I remember who I am. I remember my name. And so do you. So this new year, for the sake of the world, come to church and remember your name. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.